0: If you look in your bulletin, you're going to see the outline for the service today. Um, this sermon series is going to last us through the month of June, and there'll be an outline for uh, every Sunday, so just be following that. But what we want to do today is we want to talk about what it means to be weird, okay? Uh, now, if we're going to be honest, there are three types of weird, okay? There is a good weird, uh, which I think some of us could fall into that category, where we're weird enough to where people will re- remember us and, 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 and want to, to think fondly of us, and we're weird and maybe the way that we think and help other people and all the rest. So there is such thing as a good weird. Um, I told a kid one time who was being picked on because he was different. I said, the thing is, people don't remember the normal people when they die. They always remember the people that are a little bit weird, okay? So there is such thing as a good weird. Now, there's also such thing as a bad weird, okay? Those are the kind of people that you don't want moving next door to you, okay? Uh, those are the kind of people that you may not want around your children, your pets, or maybe even your shoes, okay? Um, they're, they're just weird. Why are you looking at me like that, Jess? It's... Yeah, shake your head. Um, there, you know what I'm talking about. You see them coming, you're thinking, oh my goodness, not that person again. That's weird. I heard the mayor of Metcalf is a little weird like that. So anyway, um, uh, so there's a good weird and there's a bad weird, but the weird that we want to be is a godly weird. We want to be a godly weird. The Bible tells us that if we are followers in Christ and if we are in fact consistently living out the gospel in our lives, people are going to look at us as if we were fools. People are going to look at us as if we were strange. But again, we're trying to think about being weird in a god way. So if you have your hand up this morning, I'm not going to say every time that something's going to be up there. If I miss something, Jessica will kind of give me an eyeball as we kind of go through. But we want to talk about being weird in a God way. And one of the key scriptures we're going to be looking at is in the book of Matthew. And the Bible says this, Enter through the narrow gate. This is Jesus speaking. For wide is a gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is a gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Okay, there's some key words here. Many enter through what? The large gate of destruction. The truth is, our world is aiming to destroy you. You may not think that's the case. You may think politicians and leaders may tell you that's not the case. But the truth is, the Bible tells us that the devil is roaring outside like a lion, ready to devour those who he can get his hands on. So let me just say very clearly, this world is out to destroy you either actively or passively. You see, in our country especially, when we find comfort in the world around us, when we find comfort in the things that are going on, when we don't see that our life is different than anybody else's, We have to watch out because we could be on that wide gate and that broad road that leads to destruction. And the truth is that many people enter into it, but for us to be the God type of weird, we have to actually find that small path, that small road that leads to life. And the truth is only a few people will find it. And that path, that road is Jesus Christ. Okay? And so the key thought as we go through this study is really going to be this. If you want in your life, What normal people have. Go ahead and continue to do what normal people do. But if in fact, if you want what few people have, you're going to have to do what few people do. You see, if you're going to be a follower in Christ, your life is going to be different. What is normal in our world today? I don't know about you, normal is being overwhelmed. So much going on, so much that we have to do, so many things that are happening in the news, so so much junk Something else is normal about this life is always being rushed. Now, I'm going to pick up my wife for just a moment. This morning, we were getting ready, and she says, You know it's 9.15, don't you? And I said, Don't rush me. I don't want to get stressed out this morning. But don't you feel like you always have to be somewhere? You always have to do something? And it's like you get there, and guess what? It's something else opens up, and you have to be somewhere else. Normal is being stressed all the time. Normal is being broke. Anybody else in here broke? Amen. Sydney, I know you broke because you get your money from me. And you got a job, but yeah, you're broke too. I got it. You don't dress broke, but you act broke. Anyway, all right. <laughs> um, broke's a mindset too, by the way. Normal life is relational tension. Can't get along with anybody. You ever been around folks that they can't be happy unless they're fighting? You ever had that happen? They can't be happy unless they're mad at somebody. There has to be some sort of drama. You know what else is, what happens in this world that's normal? Divorce, financial fear, all those type of things. Those are what it is to be normal in the worldly sense. And the truth about normal is this. Normal always drowns out the necessary and the important. You know, my whole life, I can tell you, I've always been working to get to something. And when I get to that something... It changes into something else. And I'm 43 years old, and I still haven't got whatever it is I'm supposed to be heading to. Does anybody else feel that same way? My son is going into high school next year, and he's big into the choir in Cockroach County. If you don't know anything about Cockroach County, they've got an amazing choir program. And he's one of the serenaders. He likes to act and cut up and move around and, what's the old word, gyrate, you know. Um, but he, uh, he, he's going to do it. And so we had this conversation And he said, Daddy, I don't know what to do because he works at Chick-fil-A and he works hard. But he says, I'm looking at next year and, you know, I know I need to make my truck payment stuff and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I said, son, let me go and tell you something. And it's taken me even just this year to realize it. I said, don't be in a hurry to get somewhere. Don't be in a hurry to do something. The world tells you to hurry. The world tells you to go to the next thing. I believe God is telling us many times to wait, to stop, to pause, to enjoy the time that you have. I have a really bad habit. Jessica makes fun of me. When I look back at the kids when they were smaller in pictures, Jessica, what do I do? I cry. And I ain't talking about just, I'm talking about ugly, fat, bald-headed, big nose, sobbing, crying. That kind of crying that you look in the mirror and be like, oh, I didn't know I looked like that. Okay? Because there are many years in my life to where I was always working towards some goal, some achievement, because that's what the world said that I had to do. And I had internalized it. And I was pushing myself to do that. But at the end of the day, that's what normal people do. That's not what godly people do. So if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, do what few people do. You see, the Bible teaches us some really, really interesting things. now, And there are some good things that we don't need to do. Now, let me take Exulter as an example. Adultery is something that we don't need to do, but the Bible tells us Jesus actually takes it up a notch, right? Because Jesus, it says, not just don't commit adultery, but Jesus talks about the fact that even thinking about a woman lustfully actually equates to adultery. That's, that's weird. Our world around us, they're, they're wanting to, to, to say that if, as long as you don't do it, you're, you're, it's okay. I had a kid, this is a true story, I had a kid, because I knew the, the fifth and sixth grade uh, the gym when they come in in the morning, and I had a kid come to me, I think it was Tuesday, and he says to me, it's really weird, he said, Mr. Beck, if you think something wrong, can they arrest you? Now, first thing I got to think of was, what is this kid thinking about? Yeah, I really was like, oh, Lord, I, mean, do I need to call somebody, I, you know, what is he thinking about? Apparently him and this girl had a conversation coming in there, and so I was trying to think about a, an answer that would match his question, and I said, well, thank goodness there's not thought police. Thank goodness there's not somebody that because you think something, they're going to come to rescue. Now, what I did tell him was, now, if that thought process, you start planning and hashing out how you're going to do what that is, you can get in trouble for that part. I said, but, but in this world, there's not anybody that's going to catch you for what you're thinking. But what I really wanted to tell him is this. Yes, God knows what you're thinking. You know, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to Christ, which is very hard, because I'm going to tell you something. My mind goes everywhere. My, my thoughts are all over the place, Okay. But the Bible tells us to take every thought captive to Christ, and when we realize that our thought process actually feeds itself out, we're going to see this in a few minutes, and the way that we act and what we would do, then we would realize we need to make sure not only are the actions that we do consistent with Scripture, but our thought process matches it as well. Because out of the heart sends all sorts of thoughts, all sorts of actions, all sorts of other things. But the Bible teaches us that the, the way we think is important. Another thing that the Bible tells us is this. The first will be last and the last will be first. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If we're eating out, I don't like that rule. If you had a buffet bar like you had O'Neill's, which I know they're not open on Sunday, I don't really have a lot of joy in Christ being at the back of the line. In fact, if I can be honest with you, if we want to go to the other church for Easter, I like the fact that the preacher goes first. Can I be honest and simple right now? I like it because i can to go ahead and eat. Uh, I had somebody, they used to go to their house. It's not y'all, but I had somebody go to their house, and I tried to be nice and let everybody go, and I realized this family was full of a bunch of pigs. And they cleared it out, and there was no going back. You know families like that? You want to be considered? And I learned right off the bat, when it comes to food, you got to think for yourself. And that's exactly what I did. But when the Bible says the first shall be last, and then ultimately, in God's economy, the last will be first, that's something totally weird. That's something totally different than what this world teaches. The Bible tells us that to find our life, we got to lose it. Now think about that in the regular context of life. I've been looking for my glasses for two weeks. I just got some progressives the other week, and I got two pairs that look just alike, right? One's not a pair of progressives, the other one is. I can't find the other pair, and if I ask anybody if they've seen them, they always see them because they're looking at the wrong pair. The only difference is the glass, and my kids, I love them to death. They're not going to be, oh, we've got to find his glasses and look at the bottom of them. They're not going to do that, okay? So that doesn't make any sense to lose something, To to find it, i got to lose it. To lose it, i got to find it. But the truth of the matter is when we look at what God's expectations of us are to lose our life, the only way that we can actually be a consistent follower of Christ, the only way that we can be the person that God desires us to be is really to lose the life that we want and instead seek after the life that God would have us to have. And that's easier said than done. But guess what? To be weird in a God way, we have to get to the point to where we realize that my life is not my own. It is yours, God. And for me to really experience true life in Christ, I've got to lose some things of my own. I've got to die to self. Another thing that's kind of weird is this. one When somebody wrongs you, you forgive them. What? 70 times 7. Now, if, if that was a literal, you have to, I guarantee you, I know people who would mark it down on their piece of paper every time they forgave them so they could get to that point where they could write them off. And I just want to say this in reverse. Do you want people to write you off? Do you want people to consistently hold over your head the mistakes that you made? Well, Jesus tells us there's freedom in Christ, there's forgiveness in Christ. Where there was sin, there is sin no more in Christ. So when God doesn't hold it against you anymore, guess what? Nobody else has the business to hold it against you either. But the Bible says something weird to forgive people 70 times 70 because if we are the people, in fact, that are Christians, that we are, in fact, followers of Christ, then if we are forgiven for such a great debt, then it's our job to forgive other people. And guess what? It doesn't really matter how you feel about it. You've got to say, God, this is how I feel, but I need you to change how I feel so that I can forgive that person who has wronged me because it's not an easy thing to do. So, to start that process, to think about what it means to to, to live a weird life is this. People, weird people, have to not think like other people think. Okay? In your mind is where everything changes. I want you to look at this scripture for just a moment. This is from Romans 12, verse 2 is from the English Standard Version. It says this, Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, if you have the Message Bible, I like the way it says it there. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking, and instead fix your attention on God, and guess what? God will change you from the inside out. You see, if we don't see a problem with what everybody else is doing, if we are never feeling any sort of concern that maybe we're we're not living separately the way that we ought to, then there's a problem. Because the Bible says for us to be truly weird in a godly way, we've got to make sure that our thinking is able to discern as we look at the culture what is in fact godly and what in fact is not. I was sharing with somebody the other week. They were talking about business principles and leading a business class. And like, well, we don't look at these business principles and these leadership principles from a biblical perspective. Let me say something to you this morning. Every good and pure leadership principle is from God whether they recognize it or not. Okay? Every strategy to love people and to care for people, whether people acknowledge the fact that it's God putting it on the heart of people to do it or not, the reality is those principles are out there, those truths are out there. The only thing that we see as we come to Scripture, it shows us who the author of those rules actually is. But we can't think like normal people think. Here's something we need to realize. What you think, impacts who you are, what you do, and the person you will become. Now, this isn't a self-help talk, but this is true. If you feel that you're fat, then everything you do is going to match that. Now, I want to tell something from the other day. So, Jessica took a video of me while I was sleeping the other day. It was yesterday. I told you she's got a sickness. Something's wrong with her. Who would want to take a video of me anyway? and that right Tommy? especially when I'm asleep. But I was laying there, and in my dream... I was trying to push something in my dream, and I couldn't push it. Like, I was doing all this kind of weird stuff with, with my finger. I, I couldn't focus. And I think what it is is because I've been doing all this crazy nighttime stuff where I'm thinking out in my sleep. I was talking to somebody the other day about reading up and afraid that it might be Parkinson's or something long-term because they, they connect those kind of things together. That's thing I can figure. So maybe in my dream i had have early-onset part. But either way, I couldn't touch what it was. It was like I went to Costco in my dream which I don't have the money to go to Costco right now, but that tells you it was a dream. So I went to Costco in my dream, and I'm trying to, They need my social security number for my car, and I can't do it, and the lady won't let me get the stuff. And then I go somewhere else, and I have to tap it on the TV, maybe I had to order food or something, and I couldn't do it. Well, Jessica, as she's recording me, I put my finger out like this. And I'm doing this in my sleep, right? Now, keep in mind, this one particular night, Tommy, don't think too heavy. This is really nasty. I I slept without a shirt on because I I was getting hot. I had everything else on. I didn't have a shirt on. Don't be thinking nothing. I I really don't want to get grossed out. But I'm sitting there. So I'm I'm sitting laying in the bed, got my shirt, and I got my cover. So apparently in my sleep, I'm pulling my cover up and down too. So I'm like... (coughs) Really, really dumb looking apparently. And of course, I have records of that because she recorded it. And so she shows me this video... And I'm looking there, and I'm like, golly, I didn't realize that I was that big. I saw besides me, E.T. at home. I was like, I, I, I just don't, I, I, don't I, I don't, I didn't realize that I was that big. And, and I know you can see it, but I would tell you something that happens in a man's life, and I may be wrong, but a man, when you're in the teenage years, you get an image of what you look like in your teenage years, and it never leaves you. You can have the biggest pot belly there is at 45 or 50. You may have hair growing off the top of your head and in your ears, but you think you're still gonna think you got a six-pack, a twelve-pack when you really got a keg, okay? That's just the way it works. That means, that's why when you look at them, you think, why are they wearing that? Because they think they look good. That's why they're wearing it. They think they look good, okay? That's right. Amen. I know whether well, I'll Okay? But here's the thing. When I saw that, the first thing that came into my mind when I realized what I saw was I got to do something about that. Because I got thinking about not being able to sleep at night. I got to thinking about when I sleep, sit on my back, sleep on my back. I'm like, why, why do I kick around? I like guess I got so much on my chest. Literally, I'm going to have a hard time breathing, right? But I think I saw that and I realized that. And so once I realized I really am that big, that causes me to want to make some changes. You see, it all begins in your head, right? It all begins in your heart. And everything stems from there. So weird people, what they have to realize is is that they've got to think in a godly way. They've got to think about what life actually is. They've got to think about who God is. And when you have the right thoughts about God, you have the right thoughts about yourself, you have the right thoughts about the world, what's going to happen is it's going to impact you, it's going to impact what you do, and it's going to impact the person you'll become. And I didn't add it on here, but I was going to later on. It's going to impact everybody around you. Because we don't live in isolation. We we impact somebody regardless of what we do. We make an impact. So the way you think in looking at living in a godly way and a weird way is extremely important. What you think ultimately does determine what you become. The second thing that we need to think about when we think about living weird is weird people don't live like normal people live. Okay. They're going to be different. The scripture that we're going to look at is this one from 1 Peter. 1 Peter says, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Here's the thing. You are in the world, but the scripture says you are not what? Of the world. Okay? If you are in fact a believer in Christ, if Jesus has saved you, what He has done, He has reached out and plucked you from this world. And He has put you in a position to where you are His. Now, in that position, you are sanctified in that moment to where when you become a believer in Christ. If you were to die in that moment, you would definitely be saved. But there's also a sanctification process that goes on throughout your life where God continues to mold you and to make you into His image. So that you may not 100% look like Christ when you die, but you will look more like Christ today than you did yesterday. If you are in fact a believer in Christ, if you're in fact wanting to be weird in that God sort of way, we're going to have to be weirder in the way that we live. The more I pursue Christ, the truth is, the weirder that I become. The fundamental truth of this is this. When you take the Bible seriously and you pursue God, you will be different. You notice it doesn't say might. You will be different. There's no way that you can come in contact with the Holy God and be different. Either it's going to harden your heart more. He's going to harden your heart like he did Pharaoh when we look in in the Old Testament, whenever the Israelites were trying to get out of Egypt, or he's going to cause you to have a healthy, renewed heart. But the truth of the matter is when you take the Bible seriously and you pursue God, guess what? The only way that you can actually change is to look and act more like God. I've said it before before our visitors again. I've heard that the older you get, the more you look like your spouse or your significant other. And I'm really, really scared. I really, really am. If she starts to look like me me, I may accidentally confuse her with Owen and kiss him one Sunday morning. Be real, not to say we look alike. I don't wanna I, I don't want you to be I, I'm not I'm not attracted to you, I'm just saying in general, you get the connection, right? Um, uh, I don't do beards, I'm sorry, I just say you yeah, yeah, that's the bad kind of weird. Uh, but anyway, um, but I, the longer we're together, there are some ways that I hope we are we do grow grow alike. I hope that together we grow more into the image of Christ. I I hope together we learn more and more how to forgive people. I, I hope together that we 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 grow more and more how to love people. I hope together we grow more and more how to love people and to care for people and to help out people. I hope more and more that we look at our life and figure what can we do in our own life to be weird. I hope that we grow because the goal is not that we become like each other, but since we're married and we're one flesh, that we grow like Jesus and we grow like Christ and so we grow together with Him. Really, marriage is three strands. You know the whole thing, three strands can't be easily broken. You're growing along with Christ if you're living in a weird way. Again, not in weird, bad weird, or even a good weird, but in the kind of weird that makes a difference. The third point. Weird people are sick and tired of being normal. I'm just going to share my heart on this. I have days where I look at my life, if I can be honest, and I say, is this it? I mean, is this all I'm going to do? I go to work. I come home. I try go fishing. I watch a lot of TV. Done broken two recliners. They were old. Didn't want anything to do with me. They're old. Um, but I, I do. I'm like, is this the cycle? Is this what I'm going to keep doing the rest of my life? And I get discouraged. I, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm not lying. I could be honest. But, oh, it's wonderful. But I do. I have those moments where I'm like, is this really all there is? And I think people that struggle in life, a lot of times, they get to that point to where they're like, is this all there is? Because you can have some really bad stuff happen to you in your life. And you think, is this all it is? Is this pain and suffering? And there's a few things that I've kind of learned, and I think one thing that I've learned is that there's are seasons of life. We go through seasons, right? Um, you know, when you're younger, you go through seasons. You know, when you're dating somebody, you're going through, a, I always like to use these kind of analogies, when you're going through a season where you're dating somebody, to where they're amazing. They're awesome and then you marry them, and you go through a season where they're not, okay? They're just not. And and that season can last a little bit, or it can last a long time. It can last your whole life, all right? All right, so, um, did y'all see the blink? I'm sorry. But you go through those seasons of life, and and things change, but what happens, sometimes it doesn't feel like the season ever changes. It just stays the same. It's almost like somebody who moves up north comes to Georgia and expects there to be a winner. There's not, okay? There's basically hot, not so hot. You might have to wear a sweater in the morning and take it off in the afternoon and then hot again, all right? But it's just, it's hard to think about that and and to understand that and to think about what it means to to be normal. But I, I do get sick and tired. But I have to remind myself that when I feel like that, more than likely the reason that I feel like that is Is because I'm thinking about living a normal life. I'm thinking about getting up, going to bed, going to work. What I'm missing out on as I think of what it means to live a godly life and what it means to live a weird life is I'm thinking and I'm getting frustrated because I'm thinking about how I'm going to live life. But weird people understand that God wants you to not just live a life, but the Bible says to live a life abundantly. To not only live a life to where you're just kind of meeting your everyday requirements which are necessary, but that you're living a life where you actually have joy. And joy is not always happiness. That's kind of the weird thing. Joy, sometimes you have happiness. Joy, sometimes you have struggles. The thing is, we can be completely broke and we can be struggling, but I can still look at Jessica as long as she's not mad at me and have joy that I've got a wonderful wife. Right? We say it all the... Humility, dear. No. But we say it all the time. I love you, but I don't like you right now. And sometimes it's like that with life. We, We love people, but we don't like what we're going through. But let me say clearly this morning that weird people are sick and tired of being normal. And what they have to do if you're weird in a godly way is you have to go to God and have Him renew in you a purpose that you may have lost. You may have to come to God and establish a relationship that was never there. Maybe God's taking you through what you're going through right now that you'll grow closer to Him. Maybe God's taking you what you're going through right now so you'll actually acknowledge that He's there. that it'll go from just a head knowledge to a heart knowledge that changes. But I can tell you, if you're anything like me, Weird people are sick and tired. And I really believe that weird people in a good way are, weird people in a bad way are. But guess what? When we really, really get sick and tired and we reach out for God, then we're going to get sick and tired of living this normal life because weird people want a life of purpose and passion. They want to live a life that changes those around them and changes them. So weird people, are sick and tired of being normal. But here's the key. God wants to change you. And the key to that is God wants to change you in a godly way. God wants to make you weird in a godly way. Here's the truth of it for us, church. Now, the message has gone to everybody, but this is kind of coming to the church, and this has been on my heart. And as I look at my own life, I'm not picking on anybody else. I'm looking at my own life. It's time for us to stop playing the role of a follower of Christ and actually be A follower of Christ. Now the person who uh, the church that put this together, he had a a video where he was talking about some different things. I want him to share with you his heart when it comes to living for Christ and being tired of just playing
1: the church is not working, it's broke, it's overwhelmed, it's miserable, it's fear, it's shame, it's regret, and it doesn't have to be that way. It can be full of peace and joy and purpose and momentum and and a deep sense of fulfillment in knowing that your life is making an eternal difference. I have to say, honestly, I'm sick of normal Christianity. I am sick of lukewarm, mediocre, half-hearted, Go to church and not be any different. I grew up in that. Stand up, sit down, go home. It's like calisthenics at church. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and then leave. And it's just this empty sense of risk nothing, sacrifice nothing, come to a church that meets my needs and makes me feel good. When I read Scripture, Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you lose it. That's weird. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You can go to church all day long. That's still, in in our part of the world, that's normal to worship one day a week at at church. That's normal. But friends, when worship for you becomes a a seven-day-a-week passion, that's when you become the God kind of weird. We're not talking about a a one-day-a-week, shallow, me-centered Christianity. We're talking about a wholehearted, full surrender, to the God of this Bible that will take you off of the normal path and lead you onto one that the world will not understand, but God will empower and direct. You can settle for normal, or you can choose something better than normal. If you want what normal people have, baby, do what normal people do. If you want what few have, leave the normal path, and I invite you to a journey with the God kind of weird. So that's what we're doing. God willing, in the next
0: couple of weeks, we're going to see what it means to truly be weird in Christ. And my prayer, my hope, and I hope it's your prayer, and hope that God is going to change you, that God's going to change your neighbor, that God's going to change this church.